0: Chapter 2 Expert with Shoes and Babies All over Italy, even today, and in the cities as well as the poor villages, you will see cobblers sitting in their tiny stone rooms, surrounded by heaps of shoes all higgledy-piggledy, working crouched over their lasts under the beam from a naked electric light bulb, or sitting on the doorstep in the sunshine, the shoe on which they are working pressed close to their soiled aprons. The shop of Luigi Festa in Bonito was a little more luxurious. The door was larger. It was a really handsome door. Then, too, Luigi Festa made shoes as well as repaired them. Nothing elaborate or stylish, of course. Only farmer's shoes and the children's shoes and cheap village shoes. The signori went to the fashionable shops in the cities when they wished to be well shod, but Luigi had quite a business and his workroom was a shop as well as a place to make and repair shoes. On that Monday morning, after the communion service, I rose at daybreak and hurried down to the shop, a small, eager, barefooted boy only recently turned nine years old, anxious to start learning. I was too early. I had to wait impatiently for a while until Luigi Festa appeared. As he opened the door, I ran inside and sat down in the chair alongside his bench. I cannot describe the joy I felt as I sat there waiting for him to give him my first lesson in the art of making shoes. My joy did not last long. The cobbler looked at me and said, What? Sitting at the bench? Nothing doing, my boy. That bench is for shoemakers. You have to get the nails and straighten all the crooked ones so they can be used again. Well... I was sorry I should not learn to make shoes immediately, but I hurried round, picking out the crooked nails and beating them into a usable shape while Luigi Festa sat at his bench and began work, telling me, you have to learn everything about shoemaking, Salvatore, and that includes all the little jobs that have to be done, like straightening the nails. So I did the job with pleasure. What did I care if I had to straighten the nails? I was learning to be a shoemaker. But that was not all. When I had straightened the nails, I was ordered to sweep the shop. And when I had swept the shop, I was told to look after Luigi's baby son, three months old, and an elder child, aged two. I protested. This was not learning to be a shoemaker. This was learning to be a nursemaid. All Luigi said was, if you do not like to look after children, you can go home to your parents. All day I cared for the children. When the baby slept, I straightened more nails. And when awake, I nursed it, out in the open, in the dusty, sunny street. Some of my playmates went past and jeered at me, calling me Nanny. But I answered them back and fought them, and they went away. But I was disappointed. How could I learn to be a shoemaker while I looked after the baby? Yet I knew I could not go home to my parents and tell them I did not want to learn with this shoemaker, because they might think that shoemaking was like all the other jobs they had sent me to, and refused to give me another chance. Besides, Luigi Festa told me that Everyone began to learn their trades like that in the village. And so it was. Tailors, and carpenters, and shoemakers. They all began as boys, looking after the children of their maestri. Of course, my parents saw me straightening the nails and sweeping the shop and looking after the children, but I did not tell them. I was learning nothing about shoemaking. I told them wonderful stories of how well I was getting on and what I was doing, especially to keep my mother happy. I don't know whether they believed me, but the tales helped to soothe my wounded pride. The days, the weeks, the months went past, and still I learned nothing of a shoemaker's art. Day after day I pleaded and argued with the cobbler, but he would not listen to me. Always, he said, look after the children if you please, and if you do not please, go home. Then I would have to stop arguing and make the best of the situation. One day the baby was taken ill. I was sorry for the baby, but I was glad for myself. Now at last I thought I should be able to sit with Luigi at the bench. But no. Salvatore, my maestro said, you go upstairs and sit with the baby until he is well again. So I had to do that, even while the baby was asleep, in case he woke up and began to cry. The only good thing about it was that I cared for the baby so well that it was soon better, and Luigi Festa decided I was worth paying as a baby minder. So on one Sunday night, several months after I had started to go to his shop – of course I worked Sundays too, minding the baby – he gave me my first week's wages. They totaled one Italian cent. In those days, an Italian cent was worth one United States cent and, in English money, one half penny. I have never known so much joy earning money as with that first cent. I simply do not remember any money I have earned which has given me so much pleasure. I was able to run home with my scent and give it to my mother to prove that I was at last a wage earner. All things end. In one day, my maestro said to me, Salvatore, today you can begin to learn to do the thread. For this, you have to take four, five, six, even seven strands of thread, wrap them on the finger, and pull them through wax until the thread is stiff and strong then you point the ends and fix the bristles to the points so that the cobbler can sew with his awl. I was so happy that I took my chair right outside into the sunshine, and when my friends came past, they stopped and said, Hello, Salvatore, what are you doing? Then I could say offhandedly, as one who has been doing a job for a long time, I am doing the thread. I showed them how it was done and felt a lot better that I was not always a nanny, but was actually learning the trade at last. But this was all Luigi would teach me, And, of course, it took me no time at all to learn. Each day I prepared the thread and straightened the nails and cleaned the shop and minded the baby until one day Luigi himself was taken ill. He lay upstairs in his bed and he had the baby with him because he could look after the baby himself now that he was ill. I was glad to be free of the child and as I swept out the shop I noticed a pair of shoes ready on the bench for the stitching. I had never stitched a pair of shoes before but I thought, I'm going to learn to do a welt on them. I sat down, all excited and fearful in case Luigi came downstairs and stopped me. I worked hard. It is a long and tedious job, sewing shoes by hand, but at last it was finished. I looked at the shoes, and I was happy. I ran upstairs to Luigi and showed him my workmanship, saying, Look, Maestro, I took the shoes that were ready for welting, and I have sewn them. He stared at the shoes, and I could see that he was surprised and pleased. He said, Yes, Salvatore, you have done them well. But don't you dare do it in future, unless I give you permission to do it. You must learn the trade step by step, not by jumping." I felt rebuked. Luigi was right, of course, but why did he not teach me the steps, instead of leaving me to steal the work for myself? Nevertheless, from that day onward, whenever there was a welt to be sown, it was I who sowed it, and finding my methods of learning more successful than Luigi's methods of teaching. I endeavored, whenever possible, to steal other jobs. I don't remember whether I neglected the baby, but my persistence did me no harm, for Luigi decided that, as I was now doing more work, I was entitled to receive more wages. One Sunday, he handed me my increase. My wages were now two cents a week instead of one. I'm afraid I cannot say that I was as pleased with my two cents as I had been with my one. To tell the truth, I was now doing so much work, both baby minding and shoemaking, that I felt I was entitled to more than two cents. Now however, I began to make rapid progress. Step by step, I learned each part of the art of shoemaking, not necessarily in the correct order. I learned how to make a pattern on the last, how to cut the leather from the pattern, and how to make the upper, how to prepare the bottom of the shoe on the last, the heavier leather and pulled the upper on the last before filling in the uneven space on the bottom of the shoes with cardboard. I learned how to stitch the sole to the upper, put on the heel, trim the heel and sole, polish the bottom of the shoe, and, when the finished shoe was pulled off the last slip, the sock lining inside. Before the end of the year, I had mastered every phrase of the craft. During all the time I worked with Luigi Festa, my hours began at daybreak, six in the morning during the summer and about seven during the winter, until 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and seven days a week. My only break was on Sunday afternoons, when Luigi and his wife took the children for their promenade, and I was allowed to be free. Yet I did not mind the hours once I really embarked on shoemaking. For now, I was gaining experience fast, and a whole new world was opening up, not only for me, but also for Luigi Festa. Long before I was 10 years old, I was competent to perform any task on the shoes. Luigi was proud of me, He went around the village boasting that he had Salvatore, the son of Maria Antonia, working for him. In southern Italy, children are always known as the sons of their mothers, the implication being, apparently, that the father has nothing to do with it. As I became proficient, I was no longer required to look after the baby quite so much, and even when another child, a girl, was born, I did not revert to my baby-minding. The eldest child was now old enough to look after both babies, and I was able to make the shoes, and Luigi began to make the money. Gradually, he discovered that it was safe to leave me in the shop to do the work, and he began to take more and more time off while I executed more and more of the work he had accepted. Luigi would stroll through the village or sit in the sun or play tresette, a form of bridge, in the wine shops with his friends, smoking and drinking. Yet though he left me with almost all of the work to do, Luigi, for a long time, tried to pretend that I was not capable of doing all the work. First, he would not let me put the eye-holes in the uppers. This, he said, was too difficult a job, and I had not learned it. One day, as I was finishing a pair of Farmer's Oxfords, I noticed that Luigi had punched four eye-holes in the left shoe and five in the right. I ran at once to the wine shop, interrupting his game of cards, and said, Maestro, the eye-holes in these shoes, look, you have punched four in this shoe and five on the other. He looked a trifle, disconcerted for a moment, and then he laughed and said, Of course, Salvatore, my boy. I did it on purpose. How else will the farmer know which shoe is the left one and which is the right? He covered his discomfiture neatly, but thereafter I punched the eye holes. I remember one morning I was cutting some leather while Luigi was having lunch indoors with his family. The knife slipped and gashed my hand. Impressed by the size of the cut and the amount of blood that was flowing, I set up a yelling. Luigi came bounding into the shop, Roaring, What happened? What happened? There's something wrong. What's going on? I've said, I've cut my hand, Maestro. And he said, relieved, My God, You scared the life out of me. I thought you'd cut the shoes. Nevertheless, Despite these little incidents, Luigi really tried to help me Now that I was showing my skill. He decided to attempt to build a trade In making shoes for the Signore, Imagining that he would thereby make more money Than if he stuck to farmers and village shoes. This was true. And as I mastered the craft of making high heels, there were no such things as wooden heels in those days, or at least not in Bonito, and each heel had to be built up carefully, layer of leather on layer of leather, all carefully shaped and trimmed. The Signore began to arrive. Luigi would take the measurements and strike a price, and I would make the shoes. Here again, Luigi tried to keep one part of the business to himself. He refused to allow me to take the measurements of the customer's feet. It is very difficult, Salvatore, he said. It is most difficult. I will take the measurements. There were many occasions, however, when the customer came back to complain that the shoes did not fit, and at last he surrendered the task to me. You take the measurements now, Salvatore, he said, but beware. Don't you make even one mistake. I remarked that there had been times when he had made shoes which did not fit after he had taken the measurements, but he only replied, that's my business. You are not to make any mistakes. I cannot claim that I lived up to his exaggerated expectations. I took the measurements carefully, and often the shoes fitted, but sometimes they did not. Sometimes the customer would return complaining of corns and calluses and bunions. It puzzled and worried me. How was it possible that one pair of shoes should fit and a second not fit, though they were both made from measurements taken with the same care and by the same system? It did not make sense. I felt that something was wrong somewhere, but I did not know whether it was due to the system of measuring the foot or to variations in the shape of the feet after the shoe was made, and Luigi Festa could not tell me. Nevertheless, despite this minor worry, I was not displeased. There I was, just turned 10 years of age, a fully fledged shoemaker promoted to earning a full half lira, 10 cents a week. Luigi thought I was extremely well paid, and to be frank, I was not dissatisfied. None of the other boys of my age those few who were working, were earning anything like that amount. My parents were so happy and proud to think that they had a son so young who could earn so much money and make the shoes for the signory of the village as well. In my spare time, I also made shoes for my parents and for my brother Elio and my sisters. I went barefoot for a long time. I did not think about shoes for myself. Besides, I always had plenty of better things to do than to make shoes for my own feet.